No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you were tuned into His Hardline. Welcome. Glad to have you all here. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hishardline.com. This is the only place where you're going to get God and Jesus Christ mixed in with a little true history of America, mixed in with instructions on how to assemble your nation. We're here to implement solutions that will help restore this republic. But most importantly, we're also here to help America and the rest of the world to invite Jesus Christ into their heart. It's time to take back our nation. It's time to take back our world, ladies and gentlemen. And you can find us here six out of the seven days a week. So be sure to share this with your friends and family. Don't forget, don't forget. Sovereignty itself is, of course, not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, all sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government. Sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. Welcome to His Heart Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. <laughs> yeah. Let's get rocking. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning. Wherever you are in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they're the ones in the captain's chair. They are the host. They are behind the wheel. Therefore, they are steering the ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. Thank you for joining us here for episode 409. And we're going to be reading out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, and then we'll have a little discussion. It is to, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I'm like going back in the past here. It is Thursday. January 5th, 2023. Man, I tell you, that's the last thing I feel like doing is going blasting back into the past. Absolutely not. I do not want to go back to 2022. Heck, I don't even want to go back for the last five minutes. I tell you what, though, but that's what happens when you're a truck driver, though, ladies and gentlemen, because when you're a truck driver, especially with the hours that I work and the uh, hours that I wake up, 2 a.m., I tell you what, the, the days and the week become blurs. And sometimes I forget the date. As a matter of fact, the other day when I went, uh, I woke up. <clears throat> this is actually kind of a funny story. So I woke up and uh, again, I, I usually wake up around 2, 2 a.m. And what was interesting is I woke up and I looked at my clock and I saw that it was 208, 207, 208. And I was a little confused. I was like, oh. I'm like, my alarm didn't go off. I'm like, it must be a day off. Now, my alarm was set and the alarm was up. You know, the volume was up. 
and I have one on my alarm clock, and then I have my phone alarm as a backup. I looked at my phone alarm, and I saw that the snooze was activated. I was like, well, that's odd. I don't remember it going off. So I was like, okay. But I started thinking to myself, I'm like, am I working today? And I was like, nah. I don't think I have to work today. So I laid my head back down on my pillow. <laughs> and I started thinking, I'm like, I think today's an off day. It has to be. Because sometimes I forget to shut off my alarms on an off day. But I really had to sit there and think. I'm like, no. I'm like, I got to make sure. So then I, I had to go and look at the calendar on my phone. I'm like, oh, man, darn it all. I'm like, yeah, it is a work day. Son of a gun. And of course, that was a very disappointing morning for me and getting up. It's like, oh, and then I had to peel myself out of bed. That sucked. So anyways, it happens. Okay, so not much really going on. It's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a short show. I do apologize for that. Like I said, I have a family function coming up this week, so I'm just getting prepared for that. So please forgive me on the short show. Um, but we cannot forget to read God's word. We have to at least bare minimum spend 15 minutes a day. That's 1% out of a 24 hour day. 1% of your time. I think you can spend at least 1% of your day with the Lord and savior, Jesus Christ, by reading a little scriptures and spending a little time in prayer. 15 minutes is not a lot. In fact, it just, it, when you get used to it, it goes by like that. So let's get into the reading. So we're going to be reading Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 28. And again, reading out of the New American Standard Bible. And it reads, But now this is what the Lord says, He who is your creator, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will you, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, and the Holy One of Israel your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba, in exchange for you. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other people in your place and other nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made, bring out the people who are blind, even though they have eyes, and those who are deaf, even though they have ears. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may assemble, be assembled. I'm going to repeat that. All the nations have gathered together so that the peoples may be assembled. Who among them can declare this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them present their witnesses so that they may be justified, or let them hear and say, It is true. 
You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, only I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. It is I who have declared and saved and proclaimed. And there was no strange God among you. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am he, and there is no one who can rescue from my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? This is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says. For your sake I have sent to Babylon, and will bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans into the ships over which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, and this is what the Lord says. He who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings out the chariot and the horse, the army and the mighty man, they will lie down together and not rise again. They have been extinguished and have gone out like a wick. Do not call to mind the former things, or consider things of the past. Behold, I am going to do something new. Now it will spring up. Will you not be aware of it? I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The animals of the field will glorify me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. Yet, you have not called on me, Jacob, but you have become weary of me, Israel. You have not brought to me the sheep of your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have not bought me sweet cane with money, nor have you satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. Rather, you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your wrongdoings. I... I alone am the one who wipes out your wrongdoings for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Meet me in court. Let's argue our case together. State your case so that you may be proved right. Your first forefather sinned, and your spokesmen have rebelled against me. So I will profane the officials of the sanctuary, and I will return Jacob over to destruction and Israel to abuse. And at, that is the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 28. So, what can we take from the text here? So, <clears throat> God has a special covenant with the Jews. He promised grace to Jacob, and to uphold that promise, he has never forsaken them. Even in judgment, he has always left the remnant to return to grow once again as a nation. Now, why has he done this? The Jews serve as a living example of salvation. And God seems to work in patterns. Now, everything that will be has already been and what is happening now will happen again and you can reference that in ecclesiastes uh the uh, ecclesiastical uh book uh was it one nine i believe it is and so the mission and character of christ 
can be found in snippets throughout Old Testament characters. An image of the rapture can be found in Enoch's translation. The new earth will be a return to the original design of fellowship and life found in the Garden of Eden. And the Jews then are a living example of God's grace. And because Jacob showed faith in God, God accepted him into his presence, saying that he had power with God. And from that moment on, God had never left Jacob nor his descendants. Now, when they sinned, God sent prophets and judges to correct them. Now, whatever judgment they endured was meant to get their attention to put them back on the right path. Now, the book of Judges opens with a wonderful summary of, of this cycle. And the people would serve God, then become complacent. As human, you know, as men and women typically do, it's just human nature, as they say. And then they become complacent, they serve other gods, they lose God's favor, and then they become vulnerable to the enemy. Then they repent, and then they cry out to God, they get delivered by a judge, and then repeat the whole thing again. God did not wipe them from the face of the earth for their disobedience, as he has done to other nations like Babylon, but instead he continued to deal with them, rebuking rather than destroying them. And so when we accept Jesus, we have passed from judgment to grace. Instead of being condemned for our sins, we have received forgiveness and have a new relationship to our Father. Now, he no longer casts us away from him because of our transgressions, but through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, convicts us and tries us, it tries to get us back on the path of righteousness. And so to the non-believer, the non-believer has God on the outside knocking to come in. But the believer has God on the inside speaking and directing us. And so to the Jews, they had the physical presence of God in the Holy Temple and the prophets speaking out through the Holy Spirit. And they are an example of the relationship we had with God once we are saved, not only in how God deals with us, but also in the nature of the believer by the internal presence of God. <clears throat> so as we break this down a little bit verse by verse, verses 1 and 2, continuing from chapter 42 from, the day, you know, from yesterday, God demonstrates his grace towards his people, redeeming Israel, even though the nation as a whole will not listen to him. And because of God's covenant with them, he will be with them and never forsake them. <clears throat> and God bases his dispensation of grace on the fact that he is someone's God. And if one has not accepted him, then how can he fight for, defend, or comfort one? Once one has accepted him as a savior, then he will fight on one's behalf, just as he did when he delivered the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. Now, when God looks upon one and finds one precious in his sight, he views one as honorable. And you can compare that with Genesis 15, 6. Now, grace is not dependent on humanity. Instead, it originates from God. It doesn't mean that one is honorable or righteous, but instead that God views one that way. Now, in verses 5 through 7, God has a special promise to the Jews to gather them for all, from all over the earth to be under his care and protection. Now, it's noteworthy to mention that this promise is extended to all who are called by his name, thus including Christian. 
And so God does not want his work of redemption to be known only to the Jews. He wants everyone in need to hear and acknowledge it as true. While the believers of other religions cannot attest to their gods knowing the future, but the Christian and the Jew are able to demonstrate how God has predicted events before they even occurred. So as we look at verse 12, God has the further proof that he alone is God by the fact that he is able to intervene when Israel serves false gods. And, well, despite the supposed you know protection of other gods, the Lord is able to do what he pleases to the Jews, thus demonstrating his superiority over any other god. Which should be pretty easy to do, considering that all gods that are created by man have no supernatural powers like the divine God in heaven. And so the Jews recall the incidents like God answering Elijah by fire while the prophet of Baal could not get their God to answer. <laughs> and so remembering such events, they have the special witness that the Lord alone is God. God has absolute authority. And whatever he does, no one else can do or undo. And before time began, he was, and he is superior to all in every way. Now, as we look at verses 14 and 15. Now, before God sends the Jews into exile, he states that he has already sent for the destruction of their captors. He wants his people to know that no matter what, he has a hold on the future and is working it towards their good. And you can compare that with Romans chapter 8, verses 28. Now. Verses 16 through 20, the same God who parted the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh and his army therein will perform a new miracle. And so he will make what was wasted land a fertile, thriving environment. Now he is able to make those who are spiritually dead have life and bear fruit. And if one's life is like a desert, then he can make it into something beautiful. Now, verses 21 and 22, God's people are to praise him. Again, I'm going to keep pressing this idea that I implement and engage in daily in a gratitude journal, a prayer journal toward God. Thanking God for every single thing that you are blessed with. And because of the works he has done in your life, one should naturally desire to share God's goodness. I know I try to do that on a daily basis because I am so grateful for everything that he gives me. Now, however, this is not always the case. Now, instead of viewing God's favor as a blessing, though, one can be wearied by the path of righteousness. And many have. And so instead of rejoicing in coming out of the world... One can become jealous of the activities of others in the world, right? Viewing one's separation as a limitation on life and forgetting the abundance of life in God's favor. See, one must remember that the reward of eternal eternity with God in his righteous kingdom far outweighs the delights that this life has to offer. As Paul said, let us not be wary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, and if we faint not. Galatians 6 9. And I tell you, that can be very hard. 
ladies and gentlemen. One can be very jealous and envious, which again is kind of a sin, but it's easy for men and women to become jealous of the activities of what others are participating in in this world. Again, this idea that we are in a bifurcated you know, world. Once you become awakened, right, and you start realizing what things really are for what they are, you start asking the tough questions and you start kind of using your critical thinking skills and you question things that you never thought of before. But when the question pops in your mind, you, you start to even wonder to yourself, wow, how did I never even think about this question before? Having conversations with people that you used to hang out with on a regular basis tends to be a, more of a challenge because now the substance of the conversation seems to be very dead, right? Not productive. Not that conversation to be productive, but, you know, the conversation certainly doesn't feel like it's a fruitful one. You know, when you're engaged in just pointless conversations talking about nothingness. It's a different world that people like you and I are in once we awaken and, you know, break free mentally from the matrix. It really is tough. Thank God my wife and I have a way better marriage now than ever, than, you know, than ever before. She's awake. I'm awake. Meanwhile, the friends that we once had are distancing themselves from us, not because we smell and not because, you know, we're crazy because we certainly shower on a daily basis and no, we are not crazy. We are just avid researchers. We look into things. We use our observation skills, our investigatory skills. We know what's up. But see, people don't want to be told the truth. Why? Because that shatters their own perception of the world. It breaks their reality. And when that reality gets broken, they become essentially a lost individual. Nobody likes to be lost. When you're lost, it's a scary place because you have no direction. You have no guidance on where you need to go. You have no leader. It's like your equilibrium is all thrown all out of whack. And so it's a scary place, which is why people don't want to hear some of the stuff that we have researched and some of the things that we know to be true with factual evidence, by the way. But see, we're deemed crazy because, oh, no, that can't be true. The, the human trafficking thing and child sex trafficking, that can't be a true thing. No, 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 no. I, I don't want to believe it. Okay. Don't believe it, but don't say that I didn't try warning you. Giving up on obedience to God, one wearies him. And God does not delight in one's sins, especially if one was once in a right relationship with him. Now, God alone can forgive sins. And knowing this, he pleads with people to come to him so that he can justify them. And God is willing to forgive one's sins if one is merely willing to come to him, to God. And so refusing to come to God, one is stuck with their own transgressions and 
therefore bringing dishonor and judgment and curses upon themselves and possibly their future generations to come. I don't know about you, but that's not something I really want to be burdened with. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we burden ourselves with sin through our own choices. We burden ourselves with judgment and curses brought upon ourselves because of the wrong choices that we have made through the deceptive traps that Satan and his little minions place right in front of us. We have to be diligent and we have to be very, very awake and aware of what's in front of us. We have to be aware of the cracks in our armor so Satan cannot creep in because he will find any way he can to creep in your mind to sow seeds of doubt and anxiety. And he wants you to turn to things like pornography and drugs and drinking and, and, and overeating and endless hours of screen time and gaming to escape the stresses of the world. Remember, God said over 360 to 65 times, depending on the Bible version you have, do not fear. I can't remember the verse and what book and what it says exactly, but what does worrying about tomorrow have anything like, does worrying about tomorrow gain years to your life? No, it doesn't gain years to your life. In fact, it takes away from your life because you're always worrying about tomorrow. Focus on today. Be in the present. Be mindful of the moment. And while you're being mindful of the moment, that means doing your absolute best to be the best version of yourself every second of every day. Stay in that righteous path. Stay in alignment with God. Invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Give 100% surrender to God. Put your faith and trust in him and you will be guided without any questions. Sure, it's going to be a little bit rocky and a little bit bumpy, but God will guide you. He'll guide you through this storm and he'll get your personal vessel into that safe harbor so you can get your feet on solid dry land and finally have peace and resolve going forward. That's so very important. Before we break here and we close this out, I do want to read this prayer that I found on the national-assembly.net website. You can go to the forums and there is a section there called um, the Word of God. And there is a prayer for assembling that I would like to close out with. It's by a, the poster is by um, a girl named Katie in Minnesota. She's in Scott County. Appreciate this post, Katie. Thank you. And it is a prayer for assembling, a crafted prayer based on scripture 
in the principles of liberty. Dear Heavenly Father, you alone are our hope, salvation, comfort, and counselor. We are grateful that you are faithful, God. You keep your covenants and extend mercy to those that love you and keep your commandments even to a thousand generations. Have mercy upon us, O God, and according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. It is with heavy hearts that we come before you seeking your mercy, forgiveness, and guidance. We have awakened to a nightmare that has engulfed all your creation in a life-altering struggle with evil. We have unwittingly surrendered our freedoms, rights, morals, and virtue to the enemies of God. As your people, we humbly repent on behalf of ourselves, our state, and our nation. We ask for your forgiveness and for restoration. Yet you have honored the covenant of our forefathers, secured in their earnest desire to form a nation dependent on your natural and divine laws, their ultimate hope of having a manifest destiny to be an example and a blessing to the entire human race has been withheld. Your nation has been deceived and led astray by a government that has abused its power and become tyrannical. Only your divine intervention through we the people will restore the godly heritage of our forefathers. All things were created by you. Therefore, upon you, all mankind is dependent, and to you we are equally responsible. We have lost the knowledge of what it means to be made in your image, to be sovereign, powerful, virtuous, and morally strong. Teach us who we are and what we are capable of. Remind us frequently that you have supplied our every need, for you are faithful. We desire to assemble as a state and as a nation. We will take back, by your divine guidance, our independence and unalienable rights. We ask for your help in restoring godliness to the areas of influence that represent the forces that shape nations. The government, family, church, religion, education, media, arts, and entertainment, business, and finance. We are asking for like-minded, virtuous, and morally strong God and nation-loving people to join us in this process. We ask you to orchestrate divine appointments, drawing us together so that we can move quickly and efficiently efficiently towards assembling and settling as a state and as a nation. Give us each a heartfelt desire to learn what is necessary to serve you in our communities as assemblies. We remind you of our of your word in 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We thank you for bending down to listen and for your much-anticipated answers to this prayer. Our humble hearts, families, cities, states, and nations will be secure in you alone. Thank you, Father, for your divine intervention. You are gracious, merciful, and you are love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Submitted by Katie Rabat, Rabbit. Rubot, excuse me. Maybe it's Katie Rubot in Minnesota. It's a great prayer. I think I'm going to have to steal that and use it as a regular prayer at the end of every show because I really enjoy that. I think we need to keep that in our prayer and then we'll add to it at the end, of course. But I absolutely like that prayer. 
It's a great prayer. And so I hope you all have an excellent day, an excellent rest of the weekend. Remember, I'm going to take the weekend off, Saturday and Sunday. I'm not going to have any postings, but I'll be back here on Monday evening in the studio and we'll rock it out. We'll have some fun. Talk about the weekend drama. And uh, we'll continue on with a regular schedule at 7 p.m. Because I know I've been kind of tripping people out with the different start times. Like I said, it's been kind of a weird, you know, couple of weeks. It's been a weird few weeks with being sick and snowstorms and blizzards and having so much to do. And again, I've been trying to take care, you know, holidays. It's just, it's been a really, really weird couple of few weeks, but we'll get through it. We're going to get back to a regular start time of 7 p.m. Eastern time, by the way, Eastern time. So we will be back on Monday. Okay. We will be back here on Monday. That would be, oh, what would that be? That would be on the 9th. And um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to continue business as normal. And uh, I shouldn't say business as normal, but we're going to continue on with spreading the word of God, spreading the truth and getting uh, more information. We're going to start digging into some uh, more documents that I've already once covered before, but I'm going to start covering them again because they are important. And the more that we cover them, the more that we'll be able to retain that information. It's very important. For example, the fundamental orders of 1638. Yes, I know they're already, you know, I already did a show on that, but we're going to keep on doing it. So until then or the next time, we will be back here and wherever you're at in the world, I hope you all have a blessed day or night and we will see you back here on Monday. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. No longer can we rely on those same people in the media and politics who will say anything to keep our rigged system in place. Instead, we must choose to believe in America. History is watching us now. We don't have much time, but history is watching. It's waiting to see if we will rise to the occasion and if we will show the whole world that America is still free and independent and strong. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in here at His Heart Line. Really appreciate you. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family. Just copy the link, shoot it via text. You could share it on social media. I don't care if you got to put it up in smoke signals. Just get it out there. And don't forget to check out the website, www.hisharline.com. And join us here every single day. We operate six out of the seven days a week. And remember, as it states in Joshua 1.9, I command you, be strong and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget, don't forget sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law, for it is the author and source of law. But in our system, while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government, Sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts. We'll see you back here next time.